thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, um, I wanted to just let you know, I don't know if you guys uh, paid attention to this this week. We, we kind of blew it up all over social media, but uh, it was a fun week for us because our uh, worship team put out an EP, which EP is new school word for CD, which is new school for tape, which is before record. Um, but what you say now is you say it drops. So that's what I learned. Uh, this is going to drop on a certain day. And what that means is it's going to upload to the internet. Uh, but there's five new songs. It was a new record, and it must be going well. I had, uh, I had a pastor in Mexico contact me on the day that it dropped saying uh, his excitement. And so anyway, it's fire. It, does that sound good? It's fire. Dawson, does that sound good? 17. It's fire? It's cool. It's good. It's fire, baby. And so um, anyway, it's really fun. Here, let me give you the vision of, of, of why we made this record record. I was trying so hard not to say that. Why we made this dropped album um, is because one of the things that that was really in the heart of Katie Reed, can you give it up for Katie Reed? Let's go, Katie Reed. Come on, man. Is to help youth and young adults uh, learn to pray. And so this this, it's got prayer at the beginning. Uh, they pray the scriptures in it. I see really three things. It's got songs and prayers focused on helping a devotional life. So it's got this song, um, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, which is, yeah, thank you. And uh, I'm not on the record, uh, CD, it, album. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, and so it's, it's helping with devotional prayer. But then there's also praying the scriptures. And so um, that's really fun. And then there's this great track uh, that's about light up the world and it's intercession and it's uh, praying for their generation. So anyway, um, if you can stream that and go check it out and then we're going to get it uh, to people. Uh, obviously, we're sitting out to, uh, right now we've got hundreds of teenagers that are um, registered to join us this summer. And so we're hoping that um, we give them some, some language to pray the scriptures. And so anyway, great job team. Really, really fun. And uh, 10 baptisms last week. That's really amazing. And so, so fun. Uh, really, really exciting what God's doing. And so um, thank you so much for being here. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go uh, week two of our homecoming series today. I'm going to read a lot of Bible today because uh, this parable is really long. And so um, stay with me. Uh, I wanted to read just a part of it so that you would stay with me, but I really can't go where I felt like the Holy Spirit put on my heart unless you know the whole thing. Many of you already know the whole thing, so let this just be a review for many of you, but let's go ahead and we're going to go here. We're going to read all of um, this story, uh, the prodigal son, um, or terms of the waiting father in Luke chapter 15. We're going to read the whole thing. And honestly, uh, this series, if there's any scripture that's in my heart that has helped form uh, my journey with Christ, this is it. 
Like I'm amazed how often I come back to this text because uh, this was a text for me as a teenager that meant the world to me. And so uh, this is, I think, probably significant for many of you um, as well as for me. It's one that I think not only personally and devotionally, but even when I think of being a local church, there's, actually, I think that this text is the text of 100 sermons. Um, so this is going to be a 100-week series, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> But it's just got so much based upon the angles and, uh, and, and when you come at it in so many different ways. But Luke chapter 15, verses 11, I want to go after prodigals today. I love the message uh, that, that Pastor Hal brought last week on the father heart. Um, here we go. Let's go. Verse 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off on a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine. Remember that word famine? I'm going to go after that. There was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, we're going to go after that right there. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come home, he replied. Your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Father, we love you today. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in our church. Father, I ask, Lord, that the very heart that Jesus shared this story would live in our hearts. We pray that we would be a church that embodies home. We pray that prodigals would come home. We ask that we would care like Jesus cares. We ask that we would care when we think even about what the message dad gave about the heart of the father and the heart of Jesus, that we would see in Jesus the heart of the father. Do something fresh in our hearts today, not just birthed with our intellect, but supernatural. Holy Spirit, do something in us that transforms us as a church, accelerates what you have for us. We love you and we honor you. All of Radiant said amen. 
So summer of 2014 is a while ago, about eight years ago, um, uh, I took my family to the Monument Colorado July 4th Parade. It was just north of where we lived in Colorado Springs, and it's a small town in Colorado. And um, a part of the parade is that you can take small children, put them on bicycles, and let them be in the front of the parade. And um, so Renata and I put our kids on bicycles, and uh, they were little at the time, and uh, we walked with them uh, at the front of the parade. And, um, and so you've got people on both sides uh, seated on curbs and then some standing. And kind of behind that, you've got some tents where people you know, might be uh, just shaded with food and, and just everybody having a great July 4th parade. And kind of, this, kind of the medium town t- parade, not super small. A lot of people from Colorado Springs, which is about 400,000 people. So it's not, it's not tiny, but it's not massive. It's not downtown Chicago, but still feels kind of, you know, pretty big. And so we're, um, we're in this, we're, we're, we're in this parade scenario where Renata and I are walking with our kids and it's, you know, a lot kind of going on. And I, a friend of mine uh, sees me and kind of yells and screams something. And I look at him and kind of engage with him for just a moment. High five, what's up? I turn around and go back. And uh, when I look back, when I come back, um, I, I only see three of my children on bicycles. And so we're at the front of the parade and there's people on both sides. And, and I look at Renata and, uh, and I said to Renata, do you see Adeline? And Adeline is our little blonde hair, blue eyed. I mean, Three of our four kids look like Renata, but one of them looks just like her daddy, baby. And so uh, anyway, uh, she's 14 on the front row. What's up, Adeline Grace? Anyway, um, back then, though, she was seven and just this, you know, small, little blonde hair, blue eyed girl and um, couldn't see her. And uh, Renata couldn't see her. And that's that's the moment where just like in this this whole parable, there's a, a lost dynamic. I don't know if you've lost kids uh, before, but for me in that moment, it was, I mean, it's one of the scariest moments of my life. And so um, I just began to honestly just, I mean, July, I mean, I'm sweating, I'm running, I'm, and, and, and I began to try to mobilize everybody that I knew to help me find Adeline. And, and it's one thing when 10 seconds turns to 30, turns to 60 seconds, turns to two minutes, turns to three minutes and five minutes and seven minutes. And it's a long time. And so this isn't like losing her in Walmart in a, a place where she's not going to get out. It's not like losing her at the mall. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, people everywhere where you can't even move. I mean, people fighting over a seat on the curb and it's just, it's hot and people everywhere. And my heart is going frantic and I can't see her. And I'll never forget, I mean, this is a true story. I got a little bit of humor in the midst of the chaos, but I actually took a kid's bike <laughs> and uh, took this kid's bike. And, you know, I'm a grown man. I'm in my 30s. I mean, kind of grown. And, uh, and, and I take this kid's bike. <laughs> I need your bike and I'll give it back. But I just begin to just, I mean, just buy. So people in our church see, hey, is that Pastor David driving in the, he's in the parade. There's the clowns. There's the pastor on the small bike. But, you know, like I'm just like, Vroom, and I'm dripping in sweat and I'm screaming and I'm looking for Adeline and. And I actually began to call out to some, uh, some people that I saw, hey, help me out. I can't find Adeline. There's a real freak out kind of moment. There's that real just stress and just loss. And, and of course, I, what's running through my brain is everything. Everything's going through my head. And I am freaking out trying to find my lost daughter. And uh, one of the things that happened in that moment was there was, there was three different people um, that 
that I, didn't, I did not know in terms of close friendship. But we were acquaintances. And they saw me in my moment of pursuit of my lost daughter. And they left the comfort of the curb. It's not comfortable. And began to look with me. And one called the police. And one uh, went out and just began to search with me. And another one left their children with their father. And she began to go look. And Renata had gone one way. And we had given our three other kids to some friends. And we just began to look. And of course, for another sermon and another day, there's the moment where I found Adeline. And, um, she, had, she had gone all the way, finished the race, and uh, finished and gone all the way through. And, and then just, she was the only one. She was like, a, it was literally like a race for her, um, the first to finish the parade. And, and, uh, and when I found her, she was not even crying. She was just like, what's wrong with you? I mean, she's a seven on the Enneagram. This is a party. This is a great day. Everybody's coming to my parade to play. And, uh, but, but I'll never forget that moment because the, the, the people that had gratitude that I could hardly express were those who left the comfort of the place they were seated to help me find my daughter. The people that helped me pursue the lost daughter that was taking up affection in my heart. And in that moment, those were the people that I felt the closest to. And this is maybe taking the metaphor and the picture and the, a little too far, but there's actually some friends that were closer friends that stayed on the curb that I, I just experienced as just like some distance. Like, like, come on, brother. Like, like really that Coca-Cola was more important, you know, like really. And I know that sounds a little aggressive, but, but I'm being really real. You know, like this, there were some people that in the midst of that moment, they might've been acquaintances before, but we were, we were close comrades after that moment because there was a pursuit in my heart that, that they took on, that they jumped in and they said, Hey, if that's in your heart, that's in my heart too. And I'll sacrifice a little bit to jump in with what's in your heart. And you've got this context here where at the beginning of Luke 15, Jesus is telling this story and he tells the story of the lost coin. He tells the story of the lost sheep and the lost son. And it's all in context to these Pharisees that are honestly bugged with Jesus because Jesus is going out and he is talking to the Samaritan woman in John 4. Woman from Samaria, you're gonna, Luke 7, you're going to hang out? <laughs> you're going to allow this prostitute to literally wash your feet with her? What? You can't talk to her? Zacchaeus, come on. You're going to hang out with the tax collectors? And they're bugged. And that's the context for the whole parable about the lost because Jesus is pursuing. He's after these people and the religious people go, ugh. Religious people have a little bit of self-righteousness, but also a little bit of just, I don't care like you care for those people. I don't care about the others, the outsiders. And so that's the whole context where Jesus is telling the story of the woman who searches for the coin or the shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one. Imagine with me a church where we're so filled with grace and kindness and mercy and pursuit of prodigals that the religious people are bugged. Imagine with me a church where they're on our heart 
because they're on Jesus' heart, because they're on the Father's heart. And so Jesus is the one embodying what his father is like. And Jesus says, this is what my father is like. And so you can go these different pictures. You can go pictures of a shepherd. You can go pictures of a woman looking for the coin. You can go with the father that's waiting and then running after the lost son. Deeply embedded in it is a pursuit. A pursuit of prodigals. A pursuit of lost sheep. A pursuit of people who are far from God. And so I want to invite us today to look at where our heart is. When I look at the story of the prodigal son, I, I want to just juxtapose two different hearts. You've got three dominant figures in the parable. You've got the lost son. And I want to just compare the father heart and the, the older brother heart. I think for many of us, um, we wouldn't necessarily in that fir- be like that first century context where we would have the level of uh, re- religious pride that we experience, we look at that and we live in a culture where, um, it, it, where, where we might not identify, some might, but I think many of us might identify with an older brother's heart that actually is so consumed with self that he doesn't have time or attention to care about the younger brother. So the father in the parable is waiting for a son. And when he sees him, runs to him, has compassion, onto him, compassion for him, runs to his son, hugs his son, kisses his son. And so his attention, his heart is set on the son. The older brother, his heart is set on self. He, actually, when we read this text, he even talks about it. He says, you never even gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. So he's talking about all these years I've slaved for you. I've been obedient. You've never given me a goat. And we find himself, hey, my work, my friends, my reward. He's got eyes on me. And father's got eyes on lost son. It's the difference in what they care about. Difference in what they're focused on. My dream for us as a church is that we would take practical steps and have supernatural encounters to where we shift from having our heart set on self to where we have our heart set on the lost. That we would care like the Father cares. That we would care like Jesus cares. Of course, that's really hard to do in a culture that tells you that everything should be about you. Because we might not necessarily be out in a field with my friends wanting to celebrate with a goat, wanting to have my own work, but we might have my job and my salary and my playlist and my friends and my, and we, we got our own my. And in the midst of all the things that you have, my clothes, and this is my favorites on my iPhone, and this is my time. And this is my dollars, and this is my yard, and this is my schedule. It's quite possible to be the older brother. And because you've got your whole attention, heart, affection set on self. But if we were to look at the life of Jesus, Jesus personifies for us what it looks like to have his heart, his eyes focused on the leper the Samaritan woman, the blind man, 
Let all the prodigals come home. That's the vision. The vision is um, that you and I would have such a heart. In fact, if you look at the lifestyle of Jesus, there's something about Jesus that the outsider and the lost, they, they flocked to him. They wanted to be close to him. What would it look like for lost people to flock, not just to you, but to our church? Like, just want to be here. Just, man, what, what is it about those people that are so filled with kindness and grace and mercy and parties and joy and delight and radiant? Wow. I, 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 I'm ready. I, I, see, I see Jesus in those people. And we, as the body of Christ in the present tense, look a little bit like that. How do we get there? I, I, I want to encourage you. I'm going to go practical for a moment to look at your life and to, to I'm going to even call this message prioritizing prodigals. And, I, 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 and I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about in your own heart that you would prioritize prodigals. Here's how most of us are. <laughs> that's, that's one thing I'm just too busy for. Oh, bummer. There's so many things I got going. That's just one of the things I just don't do. I mean, when you sit with coffee, and it's fine. I mean, you can talk to like fervent followers of Jesus. And I'm just saying, that's not just you that says that. That's what many say. That's what we say. So I'm just saying, what does it take? I mean, how do you actually make a transition to where in our own life and even the culture of Radiant Church where we prioritize prodigals? What would it look like? Thing number one is this. Number one is just pray for prodigals. I think we gotta, I think we gotta add to our lives to, to pray for prodigals. Where do, what do I pray? I see a few things here. Number one, it's that moment where he says there was a severe famine in the land. One of the things I find myself praying when I'm praying for prodigals is I pray that they would be miserable in sin. In other words, I pray that, that famine would come upon them. Wait a minute, David, that's so mean. No, it's not. I, I, I don't know if, if, I'm not necessarily saying that it's circumstantial famine, although sometimes that's the very thing that causes the person, the prodigal, to get the prodigal's attention. But just, you could just pray that, pray for, sometimes it's soul famine. Sometimes it's just, they're utterly distant from the father, lost, disconnected, and they're just miserable in sin. They're just like, this is, I, I don't want this. This is awful. But I, but I would invite you to just pray. God, get their attention. There they are, eating the pods with the pigs. Just get their attention. If you're praying for a famine so that they come into relationship with their father so that they have an eternal destiny with the father, it is better for them to have that than for them just to have a good time for a season and be distant from their father for eternity. Oh, but I feel so mean. No, no, no. That's what love does. Anybody ever been a parent? <laughs> You're caring about their long-term good, which is relationship with the father, which lasts for eternity. So bring it on. You bring it on. I just pray, God, get their attention. I just call it, I pray for a rocky moment. I'm going to go three R's here just for fun. A rocky moment, just so you remember it. Rocky, just rocky, hard. Oh, David, that, that, if you've ever been the parent of a prodigal child, you're not questioning this prayer. Because you know, oh, just God, get their attention. 
And then I would say a realization moment. When he came to his senses, I put senses, but it doesn't start with R. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to eat? Here I am starving to death. I'll go back to my father and say, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called the son. Start with praying. God, let him, I, just, I mean, people that you know, God, let them have that famine. They, the with God life is the better than the distant from God life. Get their attention. And then a realization. Oh, huh better at the father's house. Life, the with God life, the relationship with the father, that's better than where I'm at. One of my closest friends, uh, he was a prodigal. Today, he's a uh, chief financial officer at a large missions organization, works with a nonprofit. So he's in his early 50s, but when he was in his late 20s, he had been a prodigal for his whole life. And he um, told me the story about his parents who would pray for him and continue to try to pursue him and that he might turn. And there's about seven different stories in his journey, but there was a moment where he realized this is the end and the sin life has got to end and I wanna go home. I wanna go back to my father. And he told me that the story was, he was 1997, his dad paid for the three sons, uh, his two brothers, to go with him to the Promise Keepers event in Washington, D.C. And at that event, he tells the story of going into the porta potty to get away from all the worshiping men in order to do drugs. And um, he had gone with his father and his brothers as a favor to the father who had paid for all of it and the father who had paid for many things prior, and the father who had prayed, and the father and the mother who were united and uniting not just their, their family to pray, but their church to pray, and prayed and prayed and prayed since he was a teenager. And for about 15 years, they'd been praying, 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 praying. And he had done nothing but be a prodigal. And in that moment, in the porta potty, <laughs> he finally just had a realization that was his moment. And so the rocky moment, Led to that realization moment. And actually one time, about 2015 or so, um, he and I were in Washington, D.C. together. And he said, David, I want to take you to the place. And so we went to the place. Of course, there's not a million men on the mall anymore. It's just nobody out there. But we went to the actual spot. And I said, now, what exactly are we looking for? He said, well, it's not here anymore. But there was a porta potty And we're looking for the place that the porta potty was. <laughs> and we found the place of the porta potty And he got on his knees where there was an invisible porta potty. And he just said, I'm still yours, God. And he just said, my life's not perfect. Got a lot, of, a lot of things not working right now. And so for the prodigal, it was the place of the pods with the pigs. But for my buddy, it was the porta potty place. But it was a place to just say, ah, I realize. And then, and then there's the return, the actual repentance. It says, I'm going back to my father. That go back. I'll say I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Now I would invite you just to take those and just to pray for those. That moment where they just hit famine. That moment where they come to their senses. And that moment where they say, I'm going to go back. And make those your three bullets.
in your prayer journal. Put them in your iPhone. I actually, I think one of the best things that you could do, when I, was in, uh, when I was in high school, someone taught me to start praying for three prodigals. Just pray for three prodigals. Always have the three prodigals. So I've got three prodigals. And I want to invite you to just take three prodigals. If you don't know three, find three. Develop relationship means you need to go to the gym and meet more lost people. If you don't know three, it means you need to go to Starbucks and meet that barista, but know three people. You know, know three people means leave that haircut person that has done it for 25 years and you guys are besties and go say, I'm going to use this as a moment to go help someone who doesn't know Jesus, know Jesus. Ooh, that's kind of, that's messing with my mind. That's messing with my hair and my, yes, I am. Because you've got a bigger vision than you. You've got a bigger vision than your comfort, your Spotify, your haircut place and your store and your life. And you get, you get too much of my, 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 and you become the older brother. Too busy to care about the party going on in the house. Brother doesn't even show up at the party because he's too focused on me. You never even gave me a goat for me and my friends and where's my reward. And you know that I've been slaving. I've been doing some work. Me, 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 me. That's the American way. But if, you're, if, you, if you take steps, oh God, open up my eyes. Another way that you can pray, I think that if every Sunday, every Sunday, sure, why not? Every Sunday, put it in the chat. Here's people I'm praying for. Every Sunday, you could come up here and have it. When we say, hey, if there's something that we could pray for, maybe you go, I, I, I got something I care about. So this isn't like the, like the line of shame where you come up and pray for me because I don't know. This is the line of discipleship. I got something. Of course, I got a burden on my heart. Of course, I got something I'm praying for. Are you kidding me? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm about his mission. I got 25 things I'm praying for. Help. I mean, my dream is that I'm literally pushing you guys out. Next service is starting. Hey, because you just come forward and say, of course I care. I care about my children. I care about my aunt Susie. I care about this guy that I work with at Chick-fil-A. Not today because it's Sunday, but I, I mean, like, I, are you with me? I got people that I care. You could come to our prayer meeting every, every single Wednesday night. Whether you log on or you come to the warehouse, we'll be praying for prodigals from this day forward. Oh, that was spontaneous. That's not my notes. Just said it. From this day forward. I got three prodigals I'm praying for. I, and I care for them supernaturally. Um, not because we're not because we're close and we have anything in common anymore, but because of continuity. So what happens when you pray? You just some of you you go, I'm praying for my kid. And so, man, biologically you're close. But let me tell you this: you start intimately praying for people, you'll start to care in a supernatural way where what's on the father's heart gets deeply embedded into yours. You can't even explain it. You just care. How? Uh, it's been downloaded from heaven. It's been, it's been dropped. It's like an EP. It's in your heart. God gave it to you. Five, five songs, five affections. And then the, uh, I just want to highlight, then the father pursues the prodigal. Famous five little verbs. Verse 21, where he, he goes out, he sees him, he has compassion for him. 
throws his arms around him, kisses him. I think it's easy for us to not pursue. It's easy for me to not pursue. What's the motivation for pursuit? Love. Father loves him. If you'll get that prayer piece, you'll watch the effect. It's what it says in Philippians 1. I long for you with the affections of Christ, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound even more and more. You start to pray for them, and you will start to have God's love for them, and you'll start to, it, Romans 2, 4, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. You show the kindness of God to people. You show the mercy and the love of God to broken people, and they say, I don't know what it is about you, but I want what you have. And you get the Father's heart, the Heavenly Father's heart in you for them. And it'll, it'll motivate how you live your life. When I was uh, in school, one of the things that they taught you was never be the hero of your own illustrations, which I am like the worst at that. Um, so please forgive me of that, but I'm about to do that. Um, Renata and I, uh, for a few summers, spent, uh, go, we went on vacation with some friends of ours. It's another lost kid story. Um, and so uh, Jared and Megan Anderson were real close and we went to Palm Springs for a few summers. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what that was, why we didn't go on our own family vacation. I think it was just like, hey, you got toddlers, we got toddlers, we're all miserable, let's just go together. And, <laughs> but we did. And uh, so <laughs> we're in the mall and Jared and I are real different. Like, Jared's real laid back. He's a worship leader, music, musician, singer. He's just real chill. Like, brah. I mean, he, would play. he had these big bulging muscles, and he'd play the piano like this, and he'd be like, I will declare the beauty of the Lord, you know. And he's just like, he's just got cool all over him. Like, everybody's just like, oh, he's just cool. And, you know, and then I was the other end of the spectrum, and so we, but together we, we were good friends. And uh, I'll never forget just, just going, we were at the mall, and uh, Megan, his wife, looks at Jared and says, where's Beckett? And, you know, chill, Jared goes, huh? Uh, uh, uh. And it's that moment where, like, I don't know. And, uh, and there's just this moment where, I, I don't, I, I, where, where we took all the other kids, gave them to the moms. Renata took all the kids, Megan, Jared, and I, and I'm telling you, I'm not, I know I'm, I'm breaking preacher code. You're never the hero. But I'm telling you guys, like, I was running fast. I mean, I know, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, I was like, because I had little kids. And I could feel it. And frankly, I was just like, I'm not sure if Jared's personality is going to find this kid. You know, like, ha! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was just running. Where's Beckett? Where's Beckett? And I'm like... And so just, here we go. I'm the hero of the story. I found Beckett. And um, found Beckett in, in a Barnes and Noble. It was a long time. Like, it took us like 20 minutes to find him. And uh, he was in the, as normal, you know, find, sitting in the corner, reading a kid's book by himself. <laughs> and uh, found Beckett. But I was thinking about that illustration, and here's what I thought. I thought, you know, there, I, I do not have the Father's heart, but I got a fraction of the Father's heart. I had a fraction. I had my own kids. I'm friends with Jared. <laughs> and just a little tiny bit of the father heart of Jared. A little bit. I'm saying, I'm saying 1%. But that 1% caused me to sweat. Here's what I invite you to. The more that you're with your father 
and you know him. That's why every 21 days of prayer we do in the fall, it's just like get with Jesus, 21 days. Just get with Jesus every day. Just get with Jesus. And God, you'll start to get the Father's heart and you start to pray for prodigals and you'll watch. You'll start to pursue because you've been praying. And the, my friends and my job and my life gets a little bit boring compared to I run because I care. And you'll change, you'll change the way that you pursue. It's actually, it's actually your love for them. And then when, what they see in you, that's my dream. My dream, not only that, the pursuit would change in you as an individual, but I want our pursuit to be better as a church. So another announcement, spontaneous announcements, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna change the name of what, what we do in the fall. You know how we've done uh, an anniversary weekend? I'm just, I'm kind of, we're going to not do that anymore. Um, Here's what we've done. And it didn't, I didn't mean to. It's just a culture that started. It was like, we started. And then the one year we were like, it's our one year anniversary. Let's have a party, right? And then when the two year comes around, it's like, it's our two year anniversary. Let's have a party. Then it was our three year and it's our third anniversary. And it became anniversary weekend. It's also a weekend that we baptize. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to tweak it. Anniversary weekend's dead. Homecoming. We're going to celebrate the prodigals. We're going to celebrate the prodigals. Come on. And we're going to use that weekend to say, all right, let's celebrate those. Come home. This is a church. This is a church where the prodigals are welcome. They're not going to come unless we look like Jesus. They're not going to come because we're just a bunch of religious people doing our thing in the field, consumed with self. But if we'll rearrange the way that we live our lives through the week, and even what we do on Sundays, say we care. This is a home for you. This is a home that can look a little bit like heaven now, where we love like the Father. Last one is this. We will party with prodigals. Party with them. This story is the story where the father throws a party. This party is a big party. You don't kill a fattened calf and just have four people there. This is a lot of servants. Hey, this servant, that servant, if you read the text, it's a big party. When he heard music and dancing, loud music, people dancing, celebration of the prodigals. And I just dream that on a Sunday, listen, there's... There's a lot of different ways. You could lead people to Jesus in a small group. You can lead people to Jesus as you guys are both in the office. You can lead people to Jesus in your house. You can lead people to Jesus as you're typing online. You can, t- you can lead. There's a lot of places where you can lead people to Jesus. I'm not saying that the church is the only place to lead people to Jesus, but I do want it to be a place where we lead people to Jesus. Yeah. And that's why every Sunday we're given opportunity for prodigals to come home. And my hope is that this is what we celebrate. You, and, you, you can look at your own life and go, you know, you know what I celebrate? You think about the different wins, the different big celebrations, touchdowns in your life. I celebrate when I reach that amount in my bank account, baby. I celebrate when I make this much money. I celebrate when my child does this. I celebrate. Think about all the things that you celebrate. And I just want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit what it looks like for you to actually care. This is our one shot to care about prodigals coming home. This is, I mean, this is it, baby. I mean, this is it. Sorry to call you baby so many times. but, but, But this is it. This is our chance. We're trying to be like Christ. We got 50, 60, 70, 80 years, 90 years on the planet. This, 
I am programmed to celebrate like my culture. And that takes supernatural work of God inside of me to celebrate like the kingdom. But we gotta, we gotta, we gotta flip it. We gotta celebrate like Christians rather than celebrate like consumers. Like we gotta celebrate what the father celebrates. And the father is celebrating when the lost son comes home. The father's throwing the party. Father said, come on, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on his back, kill the fattened calf, put some shoes on his feet. He's not a slave. He's my son. And that means that it's going to be a little bit messy. You want a church that's got a little mess to it. You need some broke. We need some broken people. Back then it's, oh, he's a slave and his feet smell. And now it's, they post that online. Like, you know what I mean? Like, People that are new to the faith, they're going to do some weird things. And we need the weird people that are new to the faith and they're just getting started. We need a lot of that to be a healthy church. And we're the ones that say, I'm going to intentionally not live for me. I'm going to let my life be formed around caring about others so that and it could be church. It could be small group. It can be prayer meeting. I'm not saying necessarily the place. I'm talking about what's in your heart. The propensity of every Christian is to slide to become an older brother. Actually, the most, I mean, most of the time, the people who have the biggest heart for lost people are the people who've only been saved for a short time because most of their friends are still lost. But you can end up a preacher at 45 and spend your years working in church and find yourself going, oh, I've lost connection. I don't want it to be me. I don't want it to be you. And I don't want it to be us. We want to be a place where we love and we care and we pray for and we pursue the prodigals. And then when they, when they come home, you throw a bigger party than when your sports team wins it all. You throw a bigger party than when your kid actually makes it on base. You throw a bigger party And when you, I mean, you've got eternity in your heart and your head. Hard to live there because we live here. But if we can live there, I'm I'm looking for, I'm looking for, there will be a day where I will be in the father's house forever and ever. And on that day, what I want to be is I want to be someone that left the comfort of the curb, comfort of my playlist and my portfolio and my house and my favorite my favorite Netflix show, and my, I'm leaving my comfort on purpose to care like he cares. And I'm running. And in my heart, it looks more and more like the Father's heart. Prodigals are a priority. Will you stand with me? Father, we just come before you today and we believe that it's your desire that your sons and daughters would come home. That none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And we take a moment and we pray. Would you just name one prodigal? One. One that you know. Just one. Maybe you can't even feel it in your heart yet, but you could just say, God, help me care like you care. Give me the father heart. And God, I pray, I pray, Lord God, that they'd have a rocky moment 
famine come to their senses and go back to your house. Just one. Just you, you the intercessor, just one. Maybe you're in the house today and what's in your heart is I've been a prodigal and I wanna come back to the Father. I wanna live in the Father's house. He's the Father that sees you. He's the Father that has compassion. He's the Father that runs and hugs and kisses. He's a Father that you could be a mess and even the motive of the prodigal's return was still just wanting some safety and some food. But the Father has mercy and grace and welcomes. No matter how messed up, broken, discouraged you are today, you have a Father that welcomes you home. Today, if you say, I, I, I want in, I, 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 I'm a prodigal, I'm returning. I'm not gonna make you come to the front, but I do wanna pray with you. Will you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand all over the room. Good, I'm, I'm coming home. Good, see it? Yep, gotcha. Good, gotcha. All right. We just repeat this prayer with me. Father, I'm coming home. Take my life. I'm a son at your table. Save me. Heal me. Give my life to you. Thank you for loving me first. I give you my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we had a few hands today. Can we give a big hand for everybody that made that choice today? It was so good. Did all the prodigals come home? All right. That was my, that, Renata, that was my favorite song in high school. It never made, it never was got downloaded, but it was like, we sang that song in high school. Let all the prodigals come. I know it's not, anyway. Sorry. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, I just want to thank you. Uh, great days ahead. Uh, I want to take a moment, just pray for offering. I want to invite the prayer team to come forward. Let the, invite the ushers to come forward. and um, Take just a moment and pray for our offering. And I'd like to invite you. Uh, prayer team, if you guys want to come all the way to the front, all the way across here, yeah. And um, let's just take a moment. We'll do two things here. We'll take up the offering as well as, I'd like to invite you to, if you'd like to pray. I think there's a special place today for you to say, I want to pray for a prodigal. Pray for this person's child, coworker, long lost friend. Friend that, Mostly it's online right now. That's one of the ways I, I keep in touch with the people that I'm praying for. They try to lose me, but I just text them. And they just can't, it's like they can't let go of the friendship. I am the annoying friend. I won't let them go. Sorry. Father, we, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. We lift up as we go into this summer. I pray that it'd be a summer of intercession for prodigals. I pray that this summer, Lord God, that we would experience, even in the way that I've seen when, when we pray consistently, man, doors start to open. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would just contend in prayer all summer long. And God, we would start to see prodigals come home. Take what we give today. Use it. Use it to make a difference in the next generation. And the prodigals in Kansas City and around the world. We love you today. In Jesus' name.